Hey, good morning, Nashville. This is Money Man Mike Show here on Talk Radio 98.3 and 1510 WLAC. We discuss all the current market trends and the important topics you need to know before you buy, sell, or refinance your home. I'm your host, Michael Thayer with the Federal Savings Bank. I'm MLS licensed, and my license number is 173264. Joining me in studio today is Mr. Chris Corvo from Midtown Title. How are you, sir? I am fantastic. How are you, Mr. Thayer? I am outstanding myself, brother. It's great. Getting close to spring time. It is, man. I man. hope. It is, man. It's getting really close. Get out of all this rain and cold weather. We'd be doing really well. I think it's still rained in the springtime, though. Yeah, but, man, we've had a lot of rain. Too much rain. Way too much rain. And then there's Miss Aaron Kruger from the Aaron Kruger team. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. You got your little spring colors and everything going on over there. I'm doing. Even though we have the sunshine now, we don't have the warm weather yet. But but I'm hopeful. It's we were talking about that on the way in. Right. That we it, were. from the parking garage, it looks like spring outside. It, does. it doesn't feel like it. <laughs> it. Might not feel like it, but it no. kind of looks like it. It's kind of mis- misleading, but yeah, it'll be here before we know it, man. Man, we got another great show on tap for you guys today. We're going to jump right in and talk about you know the whole spring thing and. You know, a lot of people probably don't even realize that we move our clocks forward tonight. We spring forward. I love. Or your iPhone does it automatically. Yeah, yeah, your phones do it, but yeah, these days. (laughs) But we're getting an extra hour of daylight finally again, man. I mean, if they would just pass up, they've been talking about passing a bill to where you don't fall back, you don't jump forward anymore, you just stay forward, I guess. I can't remember what they technically call it, but I'd just rather stay with all the daylight instead of rolling Correct. Back, I, man. I completely yeah. agree. It just, it just sucks. When it gets five o'clock and it's dark out, it's kind of like depressing. Yeah, I mean, who wants to be five o'clock? You're getting off work and you're coming home. It's like you leave when it's dark and you get home I when know. it's dark. I don't yeah. like that. It just stinks, man. But yeah, we're gonna spring forward. We're gonna put the clocks forward. At least the majority of the comp- country does. Some areas, I think, like uh, Nevada, doesn't observe uh, the daylight, daylight savings time or anything like that. Is there another state? That uh, Arizona, I think. Arizona. So I don't know why they don't do it, but heck, let's subscribe to their thing. But um, you know the whole the whole real estate thing, man. I mean, it's in the the South. I mean, for us here lately, it's been so much rain, so much cold weather, and a lot of people don't want to go house shopping. But yet, we were talking just a second ago before the show started. Aaron, you were saying it's been like springs got here a month early for you guys, right? It has. We had what two and a half weeks of just rain. It yeah, seemed, and it seemed like all these clients wanted to go out and see property. Yeah. Uh, property was still inventory was still coming on the market, so they just didn't want to lose their opportunity. And right. you know, our February was one of our biggest Februarys we've had. So, looking forward to March and April and May, I think the spring season is going to be very strong for the Nashville market. Yeah, and with rates being you know still near historical lows, I mean there was a time where the, during the latter part of uh, 2018 rates were on the climb, and then the rates have kind of dipped back down, and people kind of took notice of that, and they're like, I want to get in and get locked into a lower rate, or at least the lowest rate I possibly can. So maybe some of those people that were on the fence were also like, it's time to go. Right now you know? is the time. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. How about you, Chris? You guys seen much? Well, it was kind of funny. I was looking at this, uh, the reports, my, my company's reports the other day, and, you know, January, we were so busy. But the funny thing is, is like the difference between Erin and I is that she's showing people property right now. Yeah. If I was to do those closings, I'm not seeing those folks for about 30 days. Right, right. Because they have to go find a house, they have mm-hmm. to go get it, get the loan, and then they move to closing. So my January was unbelievably busy because people were busy at going through the end of the year. Right. So my February was a little bit slower, um, but my data is, is funny. It just shows January. 
January's always busy. February's a little slower. And then when March hits, it's like game time. The mm-hmm. floodgates have opened because yeah. everybody she's been showing in March Ready are now coming to the table. Yeah. And they're going right. to start closing. Yeah. yeah. You know, the National Association of Realtors recently reported that the. Let's see how, how they have this word here. They reported in 2018 the top 10 dates sellers list their homes for sale fell in April, May, and June. So we're just knocking on the door, not exactly there yet, but yet those are the busiest months that people list their houses. Absolutely. I have about 40 clients right now in my pipeline just for these spring months where we've got like a little bit of a honey-do list that we've got to get done, but mm-hmm. we have, you know, that April 15th or whatever date it is going to be where we want to make sure that we're on the market Heck by yeah. so we don't miss the biggest foot traffic of the season. This yeah. is when people are looking. Uh, we're having so many people relocate from different areas yes. of the country, yes. and they're coming down really in April and May because they want to have their kids settled for schools School. yep. Yep. come August. So yep. it's really important that you, we don't miss that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, it's like every day you turn the TV on or you look online, you're seeing a different company who's either you oh, know, yeah. uh, looking at Nashville or, or already agreed to move here. I mean, these are large, humongous companies that are, are relocating a ton of people here. Yeah. And whatever happened with the, the whole Amazon thing? I mean, they're supposed to bring bringing 5,000 jobs here. It's When's happened. that supposed to start? Well, I mean, they're building it now. Well, yeah. I know they're building but it. But it's a seven-year plan. So okay. I don't think our marketplace in the state that it is right now could handle if everyone came at once. That oh, would gosh, be no. it would just it would just wreak havoc on the inventory mm-hmm. and prices. Remember when Nissan moved different. here, I kinda use that as an equivalent, um, because they were using upper level management folks sure. that were coming in and those folks kinda trickled in. There was you know, because they had to put they had to put processes and procedures yep. in place and the structure in place and, and as those people came in, they would bring more and more yep. and more and more and but to put that in perspective, Nissan was 1,300 jobs over a couple-year period. And yeah. that did a phenomenal growth for Cool Springs, Franklin, mm-hmm. Brentwood, Spring Hill um, areas. This is 5,000 people <laughs> right. over a seven-year period where you know the starting income is into the six figures. And so that right there is going to have a profound impact Heck on yeah. our marketplace. So, hey, I, I'm waiting for it. I can't wait. Oh, it's going to be <laughs> awesome, man. She's standing at the airport with her Aaron Kruger. Right there. You got that right. Need a home? Right. Aaron Kruger. That's right. <laughs> she's acting like the chauffeur. You know, she's going to get them in a car. Please get on in this uh, bus. We're going to just you know, go look at properties right now. Tour, man. Lenders on the bus getting you pre-approved. That's right. Make it easy for you, turnkey. Yeah, you know, so you, you've heard that people are going to be jumping out there into the market for one reason or another. So if you're sitting there thinking about it, don't wait, man. If you, get, if you can get out there before April or May, you're ahead of the rush. Well, there's folks already gearing up. They're already looking. Buyers oh, yeah. are already out looking, trying to find that, oh, yeah. that house before everybody else does. Yeah, so if you're thinking about listing your house, get it on the market. Don't wait. Hey, we got to jump out to a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about home prices. Uh, home prices around the nation are up 5.73%, and we're going to drill down to what areas are seeing the biggest increases and where Nashville stacks in line with that. So you've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on Talk Radio 98.3 and 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike Show here on 98.3 and 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I'm your host, Michael Thayer, and we've been talking with 
Chris Corbeau from Midtown Title, then Aaron Kruger from the Aaron Kruger team, and we have Mr. David Owen from the Orca Building Group in-house this morning. And home prices. Man, home prices, this is something that's I think makes people nervous. And the reason why I say that is a lot of people read too much into the fact that home prices are slipping some. And they correlate that back 10 to 20 years, 10 to 12 years ago when that big housing collapse happened, that they saw a lot of home prices decline. And we're going to get into that in more detail in a minute. But home prices are still up 5.73% across the country. Historically, what do you, what's historic, Aaron? 3%, 4%? Sure. Comfortable, easy number? So we're sitting at 5.73. The across re- the whole United States. Across the whole United States. And that's a big. Uh- that's a big broad spectrum. It is. And you know, the thing that kind of surprised me was they, they've got the U.S. broken up into nine different regions. And we're not going to go through them all, but the region that led the pack, just give me a state what you think might have been in the highest appreciation area. Southeast. That's a southeast, not a state. Colorado. There you go. That's a state. Come on. Was Aaron. I right? Come on, Aaron. You said a region. That's what I did. I say region nine regions. Region. Oops, sorry. I would say Texas or Tennessee. Okay, it's Colorado. He didn't get it right. Jimmy, you Florida, right? Colorado. He looked at that. No, That's he hasn't seen this. Really the mountain mean. range, Colorado. Cheat. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Montana, Idaho, Nevada, Utah, Colorado. Now Denver's ridiculous right I mean, now because of all the um, altitude. <laughs> David. <laughs> hey, there's a lot. Y'all have to check that out online at moneymanmike.net. <laughs> you know how many calls I took? Okay, I'm, we'll go ahead and say what he did. He kind of, um, yes. <laughs> the Colorado uh, State. The uh, the newfound uh, in, um, uh, tax. War, uh, yes. <laughs> I don't even commodity. know how to say it. The newfound commodity and taxation. That are found in dispensaries? Is that what you're? Yeah. And possibly brownies <laughs> and yeah. uh, a few other things. But I can't tell you how many calls I got. I guess there was some deadline in our state where people have to file for a license. Um, the the grow cannabis. Yeah, I got calls from like fifteen different realtors going, "Hey, got a question for you." And I'm like, <laughs> "Okay." And they're like, "You ever done anything with this hemp law?" And I'm like, "I had to do some quick research on it." And the next thing I know, it's like everybody was calling. So I guess a lot of people are looking at their property yeah. as a way to. Do, there's a big influx of, of it's outs- a huge money making about a state people trying yeah. to come here because our climate's perfect for the growth of it. Yeah, it's crazy, but yeah, the mountain region, eight point one one percent year over year. Wow. And the second was Florida at 6.17%. And that's, they basically take Florida with the Carolinas, Virginias, and stuff like that. And then uh, the Tennessee uh, was grouped into what they call the East-South Central with Kentucky, Tennessee, Alabama, and Mississippi. And we were fourth on the list at 6.07%. Nationwide numbers, statewide numbers. So, I mean, here locally in Nashville, we're still seeing double digits. Easy, right? Right. In some areas, yes. Yeah, in some areas. Not in every area, but some areas. But, I mean, still, people take and look at that and think, okay, well, everything was appreciated at 6% or 7% a year or two ago, and now it's down to 5.73. The sky is not crashing, people. And we're going to get into that in a minute. But it's not crashing. The bottom line here is that we're still seeing solid, solid growth and I mean, even if we go back to historical numbers, which everyone's predicting we're going to go to historically, a 3 to 4% appreciation year over year, that's healthy. We can't sustain 6 to 7% year over year. You see that any way possible? 
No. And and the thing is, is that buyers also can kind of, you know, they're the ones who kind of set the price on all these these homes Supply being sold. Demand. Yeah. And there was a time last summer, I remember, I think it was maybe July, when we kind of felt like this kind of stop on the brakes from buyers, especially mm-hmm. when you would be right around that 500 and over price point in Nashville. I noticed that for like a lot of new construction down, down there as well. And they were just like, you know, I won't pay half a million dollars for this home. And so that was telling me that, and, you know, obviously data has come out since then, that there is a bit of a calming in certain price points along the marketplace. And so, you know, now buyers, as we're looking into the spring season, we've taken that calming People haven't tried to, like, builders and um, resale sellers haven't tried to, like, push the number every single time. Right. Um, and that was what was creating that crazy appreciation that you were seeing. Uh, and we were running into appraisal issues and all kinds of stuff. So um, there has been that kind of calming that we've seen throughout the marketplace, which has really helped. And I think that's what's showing a really stronger spring season that we're about to head into. Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on. And then we, you, historically, you always see things kind of pull back a little bit in the higher price ranges and but i mean he'll here still on the i don't know say hundred thousand to three hundred to four hundred thousand it's still hot oh very much i mean so. it, hasn't, it hasn't slowed even multiple offers i mean if condition of the home is great you've got it priced priced well mm-hmm. i mean it's just gonna fly yeah. and you're gonna really have a lot of foot traffic in the door and most likely have some multiple offers yeah now we're gonna <laughs> cover three reasons three reasons why uh we're not heading into any kind of housing crash of any kind. My microphone and headset went out there for a little bit, so I've sounded funny. Sorry about that. But in any event, three reasons why the housing market is not heading towards any kind of crash. Even though we're seeing the home prices drop, like we said a minute ago, that's home prices are softening. Anyone that's concerned about that heading into, a, into kind of a housing crash is is you're just you're jumping ahead of yourself. It's you're, you're causing yourself a bunch of concern that doesn't need to be there, and we're going to go into why that is. And the important thing to remember about today's market that's quite different from the bubble that we experienced 12 months ago is today's home prices, the mortgage standards, 12 years and, ago, 12 years ago, thank you, and the foreclosure rates. So first and foremost, home prices. Home prices today. I mean, we were we were just talking what, what six point. Get my cheat back here. Six uh, five point seven three percent appreciation year over year still. Historical numbers three to four percent, right? Mm-hmm. So you're still seeing home prices go up, and we, you know, back then when we saw homes depreciate, they depreciated dramatically, losing like twenty nine percent of their value in just a four quarter period between two thousand eight and two thousand eleven. Today's home prices are not depreciating; they're getting to a level. Uh, they're basically they're decelerating. You know, we talk about it several times about you're driving down the interstate, you're going 90 miles an hour, you're in a post at 55, and all of a sudden you see a cop get on the interstate, you slow down to the post speed limit. Now, all of a sudden, stuff isn't going by as fast, but it's still going by pretty fast. Same thing with home prices. They're just not appreciating it at the same rapid, crazy pace they were. They're decelerating, but they're not depreciating. That does not lead to a recession either. Any disagreement with any of that? Either well, you guys? Well, I think there's a pent-up demand for housing that people might be able to afford. 
Um, you know, we, we see these numbers, but, uh, you know, not everybody can afford a $400,000 no. house. And so, you know, I think there's a lot more buyers out there than we even realize uh, that uh, that would be in the market if if they could find something that was maybe in more in, their, in line with their price well, range. Not mm-hmm. only that, there's a, a there's a amount of the population here, especially in Nashville, that are renting, that can yeah. certainly afford a home and are doing a lot of luxury um luxury uh, rentals throughout middle tennessee whether Mm -hmm. it's you know a house with a yard all these single family homes that are you know two thousand or more a month what can that get you per month and sometimes um they want to know their footing you know the drive to work kind of not you know settle right now um but now once they've been here a year they're going to start looking and there has been a huge increase in our rental market so i'm looking to see that kind of shift as well and just kind of talk to a lot of people and see what can they buy versus rent and kind of instead of paying a landlord kind of give that to yourself yeah because whether you're renting you're paying your mortgage or you're paying your landlord's mortgage or you could be paying your mortgage right so i mean one way or the other you're paying a mortgage you just need to figure out whose mortgage you want to pay whose future investments or whose retirement program you want to fund yours or your landlord's Right. Well, so, I live in Sumner County, and I was reading some of the Planning Commission notes the other day, and there's close to five or six thousand homes that are getting, I mean, home sites that are getting ready to come onto the market there. Mm-hmm. So it's not like people are stopped building houses. Uh, I mean, the, the growth is still there. Houses are still coming online. Oh, absolutely. I wonder if these renters you're talking about, you know, are they kind of dispersing out, you know, in the in the suburbs or staying? Yeah, in, more in the burbs for sure, with a single family market. Yeah. For sure. When we get back, we're going to pick up on this. The three, the three reasons why the house, why we're not heading towards another housing crash. We're going to get into the mortgage standards and the foreclosures rates here on the Money Man Mike Show here on Talk Radio ninety eight point three and fifteen ten WLAC. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Money Man Mike Show here on Talk Radio 98.3 and 1510 WLAC, where we talk all things real estate. I'm your host, Michael Thayer, and in studio, we've been talking with Chris Corvo from Midtown Title, Aaron Kruger from the Aaron Kruger team, and David Owen from Orca Building Group. And we were talking about the three reasons why the housing market's not heading towards another crash. And, you know, we were we were touching on the burbs at the end of our last segment, and Aaron, during a break, we were talking about that, and please... Please talk about that a little bit more, what you were saying through the break, as far as there's not any more land here in Nashville. Where's everybody going to go? Right, and, and the prices are going up. So yeah. I think a lot of builders are starting to look outside of the Nashville downtown marketplace and mm-hmm. kind of seeing what they can build, and they're going out you know, into other counties yeah, around out. Middle Tennessee. Um, the affordability is such an, such an issue around here. Mm-hmm. So they're able to get the square footage. You can have a 2,000-plus square foot home for right. a lot less money, you know, say in Wilson County or Sumner County or right. Dixon County or whatever it may be. So there's a lot of opportunity, um, you know, around Middle Tennessee. And as our kind of marketplace changes, you know, people are willing to drive just a little bit longer mm-hmm. to have a bigger house, yard, yeah. things like that. I mean, David, don't you have some things that are kind of around Middle Tennessee that you're exploring? Yeah, we're definitely looking pretty much anywhere around Nashville. Um, so that's where people are going to have to go. So, I read a statistic, and I said this several times on air, where it says that the average person commutes about 45 minutes a day. Mm-hmm. And that within the next five years, that commute can be expected to double in the Middle Tennessee region. So think yeah. how far an hour and a half will take you from just sitting downtown Nashville right now um, to do that. So that puts you out past the Dixons, the Clarksvilles, right. even the Springfields. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of growth in these areas, the Lebanons and stuff, because 
like we all said, that's where the affordable land is and where the average person can afford to buy a house and live. Right. I completely agree. I'm getting ready to list this beautiful equestrian property in Springfield. And, you know, it's it's about 10 minutes off the interstate. You know, so you get 10 acres for a fraction of the price that you would if you plopped it down right. in, say, a Williamson County or something like that. And here it has an indoor, you know, riding arena. Wow. And, you know, the price point is right at half a million dollars. So it's like, wow. you know, and, and an <laughs> indoor riding arena, if you know yeah. anything, yeah. is like $250,000. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So the affordability, the further out you get, just a little bit far, mm-hmm. you know, further of a drive, it's worth it. Plus, you're like, you know, five minutes to the grocery store. Not too bad. Yeah. And some of these outlying cities have gotten pro-growth. Pleasant View comes to my mind right now. They've got a lot of jobs. they got a Lowe's distribution center there and some other stuff. And there's a lot of building going on. Now I'm going to use that relative compared to Nashville. But still, in those areas, there's a lot of growth that's coming on in infrastructure, which is not far from Springfield, too, yeah. where folks are just – that's – you know, you can, you can get an awesome value out in these communities if you're willing just to drive a little bit. Yeah, and even if the native Nashvilleian isn't really keen on the idea of moving that far out – you were saying earlier during the break that all these people that are relocating in from these larger cities, L.A., San it's Francisco. nothing to them. The two-hour drive, they're like, yeah, okay, no problem. Well, look at people even up north. They take a train, even a train, what, two hours yeah. in? They may live in Virginia and yeah. go into one of the cities or something, and that's just something beyond our my comprehension. Yeah, I mean, well, we just nowadays, don't do it. a lot of people work a couple of days from home anyway. True. So, right. you know, this can kind of be a win-win mm-hmm. where you kind of only maybe travel into the city two days a week. Yeah, I, Companies are becoming more and more flexible with their hours. It's no longer a set eight to five kind of thing, nine to five, whatever you want to call it. I mean, you might be able to, you know, move your shift around to where you go in at ten o'clock and you come home at seven o'clock. So you're meeting that rush hour, or you're excluding that rush hour trash. Uh, can't talk this morning. I'm all. Well, you can't build yourself out of road. I mean, you can't build no. enough roads. And so the telecommuting, it's not uncommon to talk to somebody who may work from their house several days a week exactly. or, or go into the office just specifically to meet with people. It's so coming it's, more and more common. And especially in our business, you know, we and I don't want to get too far into weeds here, but talking about uh, doing closings and notarizing documents uh, via Skype and chat mm-hmm. and stuff, and that's coming down the pipeline this year for our industry, and that's going to be another way. People aren't going to have to... It's yeah. going to be a game changer. People yeah. aren't going to have to even commute and do that. You're going to be able to have a conversation Absolutely. with somebody over By a video. A with a click of a button. What a click yeah. of a button. <laughs> <laughs> How far have we come? <laughs> Kind of scary, but uh, yeah. how can I get my closing gift to them? Yeah, that's Are we going to teleport true. that? What's next? That hey, Amazon, Amazon have... deliver it. Yes, Amazon. Yes, it's a great Technology. idea. Yes. I love that. They have the flying drones. The, they can I just send yeah. them. Do you see the? You seen the, re- the FedEx commercial where they've got the like little uh, robot that drives around and just ri- drives right up to your porch and drops it off right there? No, I haven't seen mm. that yet. Oh, I, I was like, that's cool. That's insane looking. Cool, insane though. Yeah. Someone's got to compete with Amazon. Yeah. So let's get back on track with the reasons why we're not heading to another uh, crash. Mortgage standards. Many are concerned that the lending institutions are, again, easing standards to a level that helped create the last housing bubble. However, there is proof that today's standards are nowhere near as lenient as they were that led up to the crash. And I can sit here and tell you from a lender who's been in the business for over 15 years, we used to... Freddie, Freddie, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac would come to us and say, you can do a loan for somebody that has a 580 score, 100% financing, 55% DTI, no money in the bank, and we'll give them 100% loan. Crazy. It is crazy. But at the same time, that was all from the push from Congress to make uh, increase home, affordability, or home ownership. And the intention was good, but 
the only consequences were bad. bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but owning a home is a privilege, not a right. And so True. it's one True. of those things where it's like, you know, now we have a lot of, you know, legislation that has come down, which has, has protected protection for the consumer mm-hmm. um you know when you're talking with uh when you're speaking with buyers you know on kind of what they're looking for for their payment and stuff yep. like that just so they know and they have reserves so they don't find themselves in a short sale situation or a foreclosure situation absolutely down the road i mean this is super important to educate these buyers that are thinking about making that purchase yeah i think one of the things that makes people frustrated today in the mortgage process is we have to satisfy a rule that's called uh, atr ability to repay which makes most common people think you should be able to prove that you can repay the note. But we as banks, we didn't have to prove that before. So, I mean, you were getting – consumers were getting loans with no proof that they could repay those loans. Well, the and quality mortgage guidelines, you know, when the, another one. When, the, uh, when the fallout happened, you know, banks kind of kind of got sh- stuff shelved on them that said, mm-hmm. hey, you should, you should have known that these people could not – have repaid this loan, and so now instead of getting fined or roped into the yep. this bad situation with yep. Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac or FHA, is you're going to go above and beyond making sure that these people actually can afford the house and and, and have an ability to repay it. And if they choose not to, that's a different that's story. That's a different story, yeah. But you know, at least you've done your homework and people can can qualify. Yeah, and the one thing that uh, you know, I saw this one statistic: the House and Credit Affordability Index said significant space remains to safely expand the credit box. If the current default risk was double across all channels, risk would still be well within the pre-crisis standards of 12.5 percent from 2001 to 2003 for the whole mortgage market. Now, to put that in perspective, the percentage of loans in foreclosure process at the end of the fourth quarter was 0.95 percent. So, the standard is 12.5 back during the peak of the crisis, 35% of all homes that were on the market were the result of foreclosure. So you've got 35% at of all homes during the bubble were foreclosed, bank-owned, whatever, and now we're not even at 1%. Yeah, see, I, I just I have an internal struggle with that statement because the system's working well, and people that can qualify for a house are getting homes. Yep. But they're saying, okay, well, maybe it made it too tight. We made the we made the restrictions yep. too tight, and so we have room to loosen up some. But you know, I just I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted with that. Going, do we do we really want to push that threshold to see? I mean, I know people got to qualify for a house. I don't know. I'm just, uh, just conflicting. Let, let me. me let me answer that real quick. I know she wants you, to say something. Well, I want you both to say something here, <laughs> Jimmy. Are you paid on W-2 or 1099? Uh, W-2. But I close loans for a living, so, I mean, I need people to buy houses. I know. Uh, so I, I'm not anti-closing. I'm just saying it's kind of a— Are you W-2, Chris? Are you? Are, I, do you pay yourself a W-2 as a, as a self-employed person? I do not. Okay, so you're 1099. 1099. You're 1099. 1099. Okay, what's the tax code say for all you guys as 1099 individuals? That I have to pay a bunch of taxes. <laughs> <laughs> but that you can also, a tax rate? What are we talking about? Uh, but you can also write off everything. So not you can, everything. Well, not everything, but a huge majority the, of hey, it. The new, the new laws have changed. Yeah. Uh, the game changer, the tax code, and what you could write off, you can only write off a fraction mm-hmm. of what you could write off before. The point of what I'm getting at here, you guys, your attorneys and CPAs will write off as much as you guys possibly can, so you're not going to show as much income. Whereas a W-2 person, it's straight up. You can see exactly what it is. The laws need to loosen up for you guys, the self-employed person, people, because 
it's still so restrictive and they don't mesh well with the way the IRS codes are going. So we'll come back to that in a second because we got to jump out to the break. They're going to pick that up and they're going to pick up on a common effect that's coming on to the real estate market uh, when we get back from this break. You've been listening to the Money Man Mike Show here on 98.3 and 1510 WLAC. We'll be right back. Be hugging right now or something. Group it's hug, very man. Calming, it is very calming. I, I'm, I feel relaxed. Everyone's I'm back to, to the Monday Mike show. Here with Chris, Aaron, and David, and we're going to talk about how calming the real estate market is going to be. Or our essential oils going? We got we got it all going, buddy. Everyone's going to have to go to moneymanmike.net and watch this video. <laughs> It'll be priceless. So home prices are they getting? Coming in for a soft landing? Is it getting calm out there? What's going on with the market? We kind of touched on this earlier about prices, home prices appreciating at 5.73% annually instead of the crazy 6 to 7, 8% that we've been seeing. So, why, why do we want to say that it's just a calming effect, Aaron? Why do we want people to understand it's just calming down, getting back to normal levels instead of the chaotic? crisis that we've been going through. Yeah, so what we've we've been seeing on the market is every single time you see a house close, and let's say, for instance, the last one in the subdivision was $350,000, the same exact house, the same floor plan, Maybe the same finish level is now going for 355 or 360. Yeah. So that everyone was trying to push up the mark just a little bit more. You know, granted, if I can get five thousand dollars more for my client, I'm going to do it each time. Mm-hmm. But what we were running the risk of are appraisal issues, maybe alienating some buyers. Remember, 350 is kind of a threshold price right. point too. So. You know, that's kind of where we saw like this kind of pullback a little bit in our marketplace where you saw a little bit longer days on market last summer. But with the fact that things have kind of calmed and people have gotten a little bit more realistic with the numbers, we've mm-hmm. reset those. And when we're looking now at our spring market, we're kind of keeping that in mind, you know, for the buyers and right. we don't want to run into appraisal issues. And so, you know, things are priced accordingly. And I think that's resulting in a lot of contracts. Yeah, I mean, the previous housing market, you know, where we had the big bubble and everything was fueled by artificial demand created by the mortgage standards that were too lenient and everything else. And we don't have that today. I mean, we have solid, true supply and demand issues where people are coming in and there's more people uh, than there's our, than there are houses to buy. And that's a good, solid economic 101 textbook example of supply and demand that you learn in school. And now with the way the, the mortgage uh, standards are, I mean, you're not going to get all this crazy stuff that we were getting into before with stated income, stated assets. Oh, just sign here. You've got a loan. You're good to go. So even though we're seeing some slowing, some softening, some calming in the appreciation, it's not a recession. See, I, I, I'm glad Aaron's here and kind of filling this in because, first of all, it, your statement is depends on which news channel you're watching, I think, which <laughs> is unfortunate, yeah. Yeah. you know, uh, because everything's <laughs> on a localized level here. And I, I can't agree with her even uh, in, anymore to the fact that, you know, if your house is priced right and it's fairly and it's and it's decently maintained yeah. and you're realistic on what the value of that house is going to be, that house is going to sell. That's Absolutely. Right. Um, it, it's going to pop up and it's going to sell. It's going to go. Now, if you're unreasonable about what you want, to, you think the house is going to be worth and maybe you've not maintained it uh, the the way you should have over time or it's dated then then you might have a little bit longer time on the market but if but if it, if you do what somebody like Aaron tells you to do that house is going to sell and I'll 
and I'll tell you what, two weeks ago I was sitting in a listing appointment for a seller and she, it was in Brentwood and it was a beautiful home. Um, but she thought her home was worth about $50,000 than what it's worth. And as lovely as the home was and all the upgrades and all the nice finishes and the draperies and everything that she's put into it, it still didn't equate to her price point. Right. And I just told her, I said, I would not be doing my ethical duty to you, my fiduciary responsibility, which is to sell your house. I don't want to just list it and keep it on the market for 60, 90 mm-hmm. days. That doesn't do you any good. It's, it's going to be the question is what's wrong with that house. Right. So let's price it accordingly. Yeah. And so unfortunately, I didn't get that listing, but I was okay with that because you know, I'm not going to just slap any price that anybody wants on there. I mean, Some, I'm going to crunch those numbers. Sometimes people need to be told what they need to hear, and it's their choice to either take that and understand it and understand your intentions behind it or it's well-founded. And then other people, they want to be told what they what they want to hear, and then I bet the house is still in the market and it hasn't sold yet. Well, I don't even think the house has gone on the market, and I think maybe she's reevaluated of maybe stay in the house more. She's only been there a year and a half. And so, you know, gone are those days of, you know, making crazy, crazy mm-hmm. um, amounts of return that quickly. So I think that has something to do with it as well. We were used to a certain standard. Yep. Now that's not necessarily what we have going for. Uh, forward, but yet we're still increasing at a, you good, know, clip. At a good rate yeah. overall. Well, owning you know your house is something that's very personal and it's very emotional for people. Absolutely, and uh, you know nobody's going to be more biased of their house than, them, mm-hmm. than themselves. And so I get that. Aaron and I were talking uh, earlier before the show got going about remodels and and mm-hmm. stuff. And you know I always say I remodeled. We remodeled last year. We contributed to the problem by not selling <laughs> and buy. And so we remodeled and and we we probably spent more than we needed to on some stuff, um, but that we'll probably never get a return on. But we also wanted it to be the way we wanted it, it done. And so there's a factor that goes into okay. Okay, how much if you're looking to get the best bang for your buck, that's why you would call somebody like Aaron because they're going to tell you the, the best amount of money that you're going to get for your house in return. But sometimes you just want to put that stuff in there that you just like and yeah. that you're not going to necessarily get a return on, but it's just personal. You're going to get enjoyment. To do that. That. And those yeah. are two totally different If yes. you're going to be to go. in that home over seven years, do what's going to make you happy. Right. If you're planning on selling within five years, you need to call me. I'm going to come out there and I'm going to walk you through what to upgrade and what right. not to upgrade because I don't want you to spend money on something that's just not worth it where you're not going to get a return. Exactly. You know, I was going to say this the next week, but uh, I think it's perfect timing right now is why houses do not sell in a strong market. Overpriced. Yeah. <laughs> Number one is price. You Number know. two is condition. Yes. Number two is condition. Condition <laughs> of the house. We see so many contracts that fall out because of inspections and stuff. I don't know what's going on right now in the market. If people just aren't maintaining or buyers' expectations are, are too high, maybe you guys can chip in some. But, man, we, we see several contracts that get canceled from inspections every single week. Wow. So I'm, I don't know. Yeah, we have a seller right now who's you know pretty much put anything in new system-wise that you could put in. So – his whole thing is like, they're not going to find anything. And if they do, I put in all this extra stuff in there that the other houses in this subdivision don't have. So I'm not going to repair anything. Yeah. But that may not be the best the best tactic to do right. is replace, oh, replace everything. I know, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of like walking that fine line with expectations and kind of saying, hey, we need to work together to get to the closing table and stuff like that. So, you know. We're seeing a whole bunch of different things. I have another house in Franklin I'm going to be listing in, say, a month. And it's it's a it's a house in Franklin that is an investor special. I mean, it needs to be gutted. 
completely gutted. And this is going to be something great. David's looking at me like, why did you not tell me about this house? I'll I'll tell you after the show. Um, But, you know, this is one of those things where, you know, somebody can go in there and put $40,000, $50,000 and, you know, make a really good profit. So um, there are, you know, those kind of deals out there. Um, they not necessarily foreclosures, right? right? We're not seeing that very much no. in our marketplace, but you can find those out there. What do you think number three on the list? What were we talking about? Oh, we're talking about price. Why, why homes in good <laughs> markets don't sell? Price, condition. Location. Um, seller's motivation. Uh. Mm. Which, I mean, that's that could be a monkey wrench. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, yeah. There's so, I mean, we can all go in a hundred million different tangents on that one. I mean, that's 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 its own little. As a seller, don't put your house on the market unless you want to sell it, yeah. because as, and I think Chris can talk about this. That contract, it's you know, it binding. is it yeah. is binded, and that <laughs> seller really can't get out. I mean, we're talking about that situation with you know a client of mine say that they decide not to repair anything. Well, that's fine. They just say they're not willing to repair anything. They can't just get out of the contract. Right. That's right. I get agents call me all the time, and because we always tell people, look, you're a realtor is everything to their client. They're their their interior decorator. Counsel. They're their psychologist, <laughs> counsel, uh, you know, whatever. Everything. We always say, don't be their lawyer. You know, let us do that, right. and uh, let let us have those conversations. And so we've got good working relationships with our agents, where they call and say, okay, buyer, seller, if you want out, let me just let you. We're not here to scare people. We're just here to tell you what it what says you need to know. and what you need to know on there. And there's some pretty strict yeah. guidelines that's in yeah. that contract about. Getting Getting in and out of there. From a seller, definitely. From a seller yeah. standpoint, the buyer of, hey, definitely has a lot more outs in the contract than you know. Obviously, they have these contingencies that right. the agent will write in. So, do you see a lot of sellers that that are in that situation, maybe where they're not sure if they want to sell? I mean, do you come across that often, or most people are just like, I'm just ready to no, sell and go? No, not on the front end as much, just because I I honestly probably wouldn't take a listing where they're unsure if they want to sell. Like they just want to throw it up against the wall and see if they get their number. That's not my that's not my thing. Right. I'll walk away. Um, but what I have seen are sellers that get an offer, and then the next day they get a backup offer. And it might be just as good or maybe a little better, bit better. Yeah. And that's what's going to make them think twice about repairs mm-hmm. and other things that may, you know, they might not have been as agreeable. Mm-hmm. So um, I am seeing that more. Gotcha. The other two things on this list is marketing plan and then lack of communication with your agent. Mm-hmm. I mean – the marketing plan is huge. We've spoke about that. You've spoke about that many times on the show. Uh, it's it's very important. But the lack of communication with your agents, from your perspective as a realtor, we've got about two minutes before the show is up. But what 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 can you stress the most about communicating with you as as an agent? Well, I sit down with all of my sellers and even my buyers, and I just say that you are going to hear from me every single week on what's going on. So obviously they're getting their feedback from showings, but every single week we do a wrap up of what went on last week, what we're doing this week, and what the plan is. So everybody knows what's going on. And I'm always available. And I I tell all of my clients, buyers and sellers, if you have a question, this is one of the biggest sales or purchases, you know, of your life. Correct. Text me. Ask me this question. There's no question that's too big or too small. Yep. So 
communication saves lives and saves, saves real estate deals, too. Absolutely. Well, buyers or sellers are left to their own. Their imagination starts running, you oh, know, because yeah. they just they just don't know. And they either think the worst or, or whatever. So staying on top of that is just what's – it's really the key to success in this business mm-hmm. is it just is. those communications because people just – I mean, there's a lot going on. And if they don't know, they've read on the Internet, they've heard from their friends, family members who maybe not have had a good experience. And so it's amazing what a little phone call or email does. Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, man. Well, we've got to run, uh, but been a great show. Again, if you missed any of it, check it out online at moneymanmike.net or on Facebook at moneymanmike. Yeah, can't talk. Moneymanmike Radio on Facebook. This is the Money Man Mike Show here on Talk Radio 98.3 and 1510 WAC. You guys have a great day. We're out.